Hi everyone, it's Christina with Karma's Eye Psychic LLC here on Universal Spirit Podcast. Um, the month of September, I'm just going to go through my blog and just read it out loud and just taking you guys with me to relive these spiritual moments, these profound experiences. Um, and this one today um, is from my very, very, very early childhood. Um, I have another one, but this is actually the, probably the most extreme. Um, I'm going to take you back to when I was eight years old. Um, I have the description of the episode um, about a dream that I had every day for a year. Um, I am so glad this year is over because I really thought it would never end. But every day um, that I had this dream, things would change. Some things would improve. Some things would be clearer. Some things would take longer. Some things were more explained. And, you know, it, it upgraded itself every now and again. Um, and things were explained a little bit more in some dreams other than others. Um, but in general, this dream was the same. This is one of those dreams that you just cannot forget. Um, and I really was struggling for many years as to why I was even having this dream. So as I've grown spiritually, um, I have concluded that it's very possible that this was who I was in a past life. Um, it's the energy, it's what the remnants are, it's the, you know, ectoplasm of the energy that I've had um, previously walking around the planet and then I reincarnated as this, you know, this person that I am today. <laughs> so it was giving me, I guess, a glimpse uh, as to who I was, what I did, who was involved in my lifestyle and etc., so I just hope you guys, you know, like, share, follow, and subscribe, and please comment on the blog. The link is in the description, um, and comment on the podcast, you know, if I am, you know, bringing you exactly what it is you guys love to hear, um, and these subjects that, you know, that are definitely jaw-dropping and definitely picking your brain just a little bit. It needs to give you something to think about and ingest and, you know, really, really dig deep as to maybe you have had a reoccurring dream or a reoccurring vision and wanted to know exactly what was happening. It's very possible that this is a glimpse into who you used to be or what you used to be and the lifestyle you used to have or possibly who you're going to be in the future, possibly. But but I'm going to start and audience, please um, bear with me. I'm actually going to read it off of the blog. I'm going to embellish a bit. I will stop and pause for a bit uh, and I will try to explain certain things um, in detail if I can. But I might sound a little robotic reading it, but here we go. So I start off laying in bed and my surroundings are luxurious. It appears I'm in a Venetian villa, no windows, just columns, curtains, and a cool breeze. I reach to my side table when I notice my arms. They're big, bulging, hairy, and blonde. I was a man. I look over to my left to see my bed empty and I am covered with rage. Someone was supposed to be there and there wasn't. My wife. In my mind, she had done this before many times, escaping, disappearing, and just abandoning me. I call out to my driver. 
I then get up and scour the house looking for him, and I cannot locate him at all. I assumed at this point my wife was with him already. Now I'm stuck at home. I get dressed ferociously, and I see my watch on my left wrist, again looking at a blonde, hairy, bulging arm. Still filled with rage, I decided to walk. I had an idea where she would be. She had done this before, so I assumed she went to the same place. I walked for a while. The expression on my face would have kept people far away from me. I walked forever, it seemed, until I encountered a tiny street where a man of color was walking toward me, and I was disgusted, afraid, and insecure of his vicinity to me. In my head, I pray he would not touch me. That was my biggest worry. He was poor, and I was not. He steered clear of me anyway. My face was horrid and full of anger. I found my wife standing near an edge of a park. She had been reading a book, but put it down to look at the sunrise or the horizon. With her back turned toward me, she had no idea I was there, and I continued to walk closer and closer to her. Still enraged, I picked up the book and began to assault her with it. Over and over, I hit her over the head, her back and her legs. While taking these horrific blows, I suddenly thought about all the money she was costing me and how much I was taking care of her and how I never wanted to have children with her and how she was covering you know, my true identity of being a gay man. How I hated her for leaving me alone in bed and leaving me without means of transportation. Every hit, she cried. I cried. I blamed her for my secrets. I blamed her for my tiredness, my burdens, my financial responsibilities, and my insecurities. I later took her back to the car. The driver was just around the corner, and I realized there were no people to witness this act of domestic violence. And if they had, I didn't care. I was too angry. I was too wealthy to fear the consequences of incarceration, too narcissistic to not be limited of a good lie and blame it on on the colored man I saw a few moments ago. And I have a picture here, if you were to go to my blog, of the car that I had pictured in my dream. Just going to take a break for some of you who have found um, the things that I have said a bit offensive. But remember, we're talking about a dream I had, not how I currently feel about, you know, social structures and the narrative of our world. This is a real dream that I actually had and real feelings that I felt that came through me. As a psychic medium, I'm here to explain as to why. It is not uncommon for psychic mediums to feel energy that does not belong to them. For those of you who know that I am an African-American female, that those feelings would never exist in me. When I saw the car, I realized I was in the distant past. When I finally spoke, I was speaking a language that I was not consciously familiar with. I am still unsure to this day which specific language it was, possibly German, Russian, or Albanian, I don't know. I did not speak English words to the driver or to my wife. I did not look at her at all. As she cried, I grew more and more angry at her. I was not a very good husband. She had embarrassed me, and my ego could not allow that to go unpunished. 
Every time she left me, people knew my marriage wasn't solid, that I had not done something right. It is unclear to who is at fault. The only obvious thing is I had discord and I was unhappy. If my social group found this out, it would be ridiculing to my reputation and my career. I didn't care what they thought of my wife. Next, I'm in another scene where there is a door which says child asylum. It was a back door. I could feel I did not belong there. I was spying on someone. I look down and I'm in different clothes, less formal, and I suddenly realize that moment that I'm a doctor and it is my day off and no one would suspect me to be in the hospital that day. A nurse opens the back door to this asylum and there is a white coat, a clipboard, and a stethoscope hanging on the back of the door. When it closes, I quickly put it on and have a look around. I certainly have been here before because nobody was alarmed. The nurse was looking out to make sure no one knew I was there. The asylum is set up in awful conditions, a dirt floor, and the children appear to be in tiny cages up against the wall. There are tables in the middle of the room for resting or writing or something, and I grab my clipboard and the nurse points to a little girl. She's about 10 years of age, dressed in boys' clothes, and is rocking back and forth constantly. She is mumbling to herself as if we weren't even there. She could not look at me in the eyes. I could see her hair, jet black, and two long pigtails. She is olive skin, and immediately I knew she was Native American. I was not concerned at all as to where the parents were or why they were eligible to be here. I just wanted to study them, as if they were rats in an experiment. But this one child caught, me, caught my heart. I stared at her, waiting for her to snap out of it, to stop mumbling and to finally look at me, to finally notice me and then it would mean she had made some progress. But she continued to mumble, rock and look away. I was heartbroken. For her, for myself, knowing that I was no use to her or her improvement. Then I started to feel I didn't belong there. I needed more time to study what was wrong with her what was wrong with all of them. I found this field of work so fascinating compared to what I had already mastered as a clinician. I guess I had grown bored of my work, my wife, and just my life in general. And I was seeking thrills and beatings and affairs and underhanded practices. I felt empty, alone, and guilty. Just rotten on the inside. The nurse summons me to look out to my right and where there had been another door. This door had a window. Through that window, there were more doors straight ahead, seeing into each other. Through the window, I saw my wife in a gown, smiling and waving at me. She had forgotten all about the assaults I had put her through. She smiled as if she had never, it had never happened at all. I was filled with so much guilt and disgust, all at the same time, I was reluctant to wave back at her. Though I did, with a fake smile and a heavy heart. It was obvious she belonged there. But the world had no idea I belonged there as well. My own disgusting behavior. I was deserving of incarceration, which is another asylum. She was unaware 
of where she was. An asylum. I had her put there, away from me, where I could be free to go home whenever I pleased. And she was here locked away like these children. I was going to keep her here for as long as I could. That way I could tell the world I would live out my life without her. It is so sad while I had affairs with men. I had them anyway, but this cover-up was too perfect to pass up. I continued to observe other children in the room until the nurse urged me to leave, as she was aware of someone coming toward the door. I knew who it was, a colleague of mine who I was far more advanced in his career and in popularity. Someone who looked at me and my practice of medicine as a joke. He being a psychologist and I being a medical doctor, we did not belong at the same end of the pool together. We did not fit together on a social level either. I was curious about his work as to why I snuck in the, to study the children. I wanted to spy on him. I wanted to see what psychosis really was compared to my work as studying mundane sicknesses. Why did I even care? I was jealous of him. I knew he had been friends. We had been friends at some point, but knew we would never be friends again. He being so successful socially and I successful financially, I still wanted to be a part of his world. To almost just be him. Instead, I was angry, bitter, and afraid. I quickly throw my jacket, stethoscope, and clipboard onto the nurse, which was not offended. She was used to me doing that and helped me out the door. As the door slammed behind me, I'd wake up, being an eight-year-old again, wearing my purple and red nightgown. I remember putting on the night before. Laying in bed next to the walls of my pink room, I look down at my arms and they are tan and skinny again. I speak and it is English. I sit up and look around at my home with its windows and doors again. I breathe and I see a little girl in the mirror again. And that, my lovies, is the story of my past life dream. This is Christina with Karma's Eye Psychic LLC here on Universal Spirit Podcast. Tell me what you thought about it. Read the blog for yourself. Ask me the questions you want to ask. I wonder how hard was it for you to listen to? How easy was it? And have you had a dream like this before? Let me know. Until next time, see you in the next episode, lovies. I love you. I appreciate you. And I hope the best for you. All right, lovies. See you next time.